0: Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message.
1: Praise the Lord, right? He's doing stuff. God's doing stuff. God's doing stuff. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Thank you, Chuck, for that. You nailed the theme this morning. We just continue to talk about God's faithfulness in our lives, in the world, and praise God that he's still working. I was just blessed this morning as we were worshiping and singing songs. I saw young people with their hands in the air worshiping God. I saw entire families, rows of families, just right there plugged in, giving thanks to God. I saw people moved by the Holy Spirit to go and pray for someone in the room because they know something's going on and they need to hear a word from God. I praise God for that. I saw grandmas praying for their kids before they went off to Promised Land. God is moving in our midst. And when we gather together, it's not a ceremony. This is not like a ceremony. This is a workshop. We are here to engage with the Holy Spirit. We're here to hear from God, to step out in faith, to offer ourselves to Him afresh, and to see God work in our midst. Amen? Amen? So I'm delighted to hear and to see and watch all these things going on right here. I, I pray and I hope that you are in a place right now where you like, Lord, I need you to do it again in me. I need, I need something to shake loose in my life so that I can make a move here because I'm stuck in a pattern or I'm stuck in just this stationary spot and I need to move forward. You know, that's an incredible attitude. That's the place to be where God will respond to that. The scripture says you will seek him and find him if you seek him with... And so there's a heart engagement that needs to happen as we want to see God faithfully move among us. Let's take a minute. We're going to pray. Let's offer our hearts. If that's you, if you need to pray this prayer, say, Lord, I'm engaging my heart. I'm putting it on the line. I'm willing to move out of the zone of comfort or wherever you're at, maybe it's the zone of discomfort, right? It's time to move out and say, Lord, here I am today. I need to hear from you. Let your word affect me. Then I encourage you to pray with me right now. Lord, thank you. Thank you for those who serve in this church in many forms, for those out in Promised Land and Sunday School Young Children's Ministry and nursery and the worship team and for all of us, God. And Lord, thank you for this moment. God, we people are gathered to hear from you. Lord, I pray that we'd have ears to hear, we'd have hearts that weren't hard, but Lord, you'd melt our hard hearts, give us a heart of flesh, like the prophet said, one that's right where it needs to be, and one that's soft enough to hear and receive and obey the word of the Lord that comes to us. We love you today, God. We pray that as we go through your word, let your word go through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to make my time short here this morning because... Uh, We continue to want to make space to obey the word we've been studying. Um, In 1 Thessalonians 5, for the last, whatever, five, six weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be the church and how that's spelled out in 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm going to do a bullet point, super fast review of that just to keep it churning in our minds. Maybe I'll throw in a couple extras. And then we're going to open up space. We've got some people that want to give testimony today about God's faithfulness. Let me read to you these scriptures to us and then we'll open up space for you to testify if you're here today and you need to give a testimony but you haven't spoken to me yet I'm opening that door that if you're here and the Lord speaks says you know you need to stand up and you need to give thanks and give credit to God for his working in your life I want you to come see Andy he's the doorkeeper to the microphone if you can get past him I'll let you say whatever you want But maybe that's you and you need to give testimony. There's some people already prepared for that, but maybe you need to do it spontaneously. All right, let me read here from 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, starting in verse 12, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to that which is good and reject every kind of evil. Verse 23, and may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your soul, your body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You know, we live under the promise of God's faithfulness. Think of that. Your life is being lived out for those, those who are following Christ, those who says, hey, you know what? I'm going to set myself aside, and I'm going to live for God. And I want all my life, all the pieces of my life, the inside, the outside, the distant parts, the hidden parts, all the parts, I'm going to say, Lord, whatever mess it is, I'm going to shovel that onto the altar, and all of its pieces, all of its me- and Lord... I'm yours. That's that's what it means to be a Christian, to say, Lord, nothing's off-limit. Nothing is sacred or, you know, out of your reach. It's all yours, Lord. My gifts, my plans, my abilities, my money, my failures, my insecurities, (laughs) Lord, you can have it all. And generally speaking, when we engage the Lord that way, our liabilities outweigh our strengths. But God says, I want you anyways. He calls you. And the one that calls you, who loves you, who knows you through and through, he is faithful to work in and through your life. And so for a Christ follower, you live under the promise of God's faithfulness. I was talking to a friend earlier today. We were talking about God's faithfulness, and he made the distinction. He says, you know what? He's faithful. I'm not. That's a tough, tough thing to say. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know that. Even as Second Timothy talks about, it says, even when we are faithless, when we fail, God remains faithful. And so we live under this promise of God's faithfulness. And that's what Paul's trying to spell out here. He's saying, look, your life is to be lived out under this promise of the one who called you, who's faithful to do all that he wants to do in your life. And what he wants to do in your life is for you to be recreated into the image of Christ. And so we see at the very beginning of the Bible, God creates us in the image of God through sin and all the sin that part of our life that is distorted. And so the salvation message is for you to be reborn and back into the image of God, but more specifically into the image of Christ. And so our lives are this process of saying, Lord, I'm, I'm leaving behind my sin and I'm being formed, I'm walking, I'm being sanctified through and through, into the image of Jesus. That's the goal. And I love how he puts it here, and we've done these three categories, as you've been a part of the teaching that we've done, is there's three categories right here at the end of First Thessalonians, that he kind of illustrates how this happens. The first one is this: that you will be formed and reformed and fashioned into the likeness of Christ, how, through your relationship with your leaders. And here it says, listen, those who lead you, particularly in the church, but we can expand that to all those who have leadership over your life, but as we talk about those in the church, for their good work, for their hard work in your life, love them and respect them. The principle is applicable everywhere. Children, obey your parents. Respect and honor your parents. Why? Because they're perfect. No, they're not. Any perfect parents, stand up. Come on, let's go. Up you come. I didn't have to wait any longer because I know there's no one going to stand up. If you're a parent, you know what an epic failure you are at times. No secrets. But if you're a child to an improper parent, you honor and you respect them, you obey them. Why? Because there's a promise in the Lord that you'll be blessed, things will go well with you. And they won't kill you before your 18th birthday. Romans 13 talks about our relationship with our governing authorities, the political, the legal authorities in our life, and it says what? Obey them! Because God gave them a sword. God gave them the authority to manage society. And so you honor God by obeying the law. Your relationship with the authority is fundamental to your being formed into the likeness of Christ. Why? Because Jesus himself understood authority. He only did what God told him to do, the Father told him to do, and he only said the things that the Father was saying. He says, I am fully and completely submitted to my Father, and therefore we become formed and shaped to be like Christ as we submit to the governing authorities. doesn't mean we passively lay down and Whatever it says goes, there's a responsibility for integrity in society and integrity in the family, all those kind of things. I'm not talking about a radical pacifism. What I'm saying is that your relationship with the authorities in your life are a mechanism by which Christ is formed in you. One of my favorite songs growing up was John Mellencamp, the authority song. Anybody know that song? That's a good one. I fight authority, authority keeps winning. I fight authority, authority keeps winning. I've been doing it since I was a young kid, and I I just keep kicking. Authority always wins. There's a great line in there. I call up my preacher. My preacher says, I need to grow up. I hate that line, because then he says, growing up's growing old, and then to dying, and dying don't sound like any fun. This whole mentality of throwing off authority just appeals to us. Christ is formed in you as you have the right relationship with your pastors, with your small group leaders, with the elders in the church, and those who are wise among us as they speak into your life, that is Christ forming in you. Honor it. Respect it. The second thing Paul says is this, that your life is formed into the image of Christ, how? Through the church family. And more specifically, he says, through the dysfunction of the church family. This is it. He says, Christ is formed in you. God's faithfulness is demonstrated in your life. You are kept body, soul, and spirit perfect until his coming because the one who calls you who is faithful is working in you through the dysfunction of our little church. Because it says through idleness, through disruptiveness, through being disheartened, all these things, all the parts of our life that when we're honest together as a community, as a soma, I learned a Greek word today, that in the midst of that, as those people are encouraged and helped and warned, not only is Christ formed in the idle and disruptive, but Christ is formed in the one who are warning, because they're told to live at patience with everyone. How many times have you just, you seen people in authority responding to something that's going wrong, but then they use their place of authority, they use their warning, their encouragement, their admonishment, but they themselves end up being the ones who sin. child is disrespectful and upsets the parents and the parents answers too harshly or maybe too physically and they break the child spiritual authority is wielded the same way relationships and community are meant to be helped by dysfunction. I know it sounds crazy, but the way we serve and help and admonish and warn and encourage and strengthen one another is meant to form in us the testimony of Christ. And yet we get impatient with one another. We get indignant with one another. We think we're better than other people. And it has the opposite effect. The verbs used in these passages are things like urging and warning, encouraging, helping, striving to do good, and that we're called to live at peace in a world of war. Let me ask you this. Are you living at peace with those around you? I hate to admit it. I hate to say it. But those that you are warring with around you are sent so that you might be formed and fashioned into the likeness of Christ. Right now, you're supposed to start forgiving your wife right now in your heart. Or your husband, or your friends stepped on your toes. You live under the promise of God's faithfulness. And the way this is lived out is by the relationship with your authorities, by the way you work out the dysfunction together, and by thirdly, what happens when we gather to worship. That's what 1 Thessalonians says that when you gather to worship, what happens in this room matters because in this room, it's where we rejoice when we feel like crying, where we pray when things just feel hopeless, where we give thanks when we wish what happened didn't happen. What happens as we gather corporately You can decide whether you'll be the frozen chosen, just buying your time before Christ comes back, or whether you're the people that are hungry and passionate for God and saying, God, I want more, I want more, I want more. See me through, Lord, that I might honor you. Demonstrate your faithful promise in my life. Lord, it's been hard, I've been hurt. Lord, I feel like giving up. I don't wanna raise my hands, I don't wanna dance, I don't even wanna sing. Would they please just stop singing that song? But instead, something unnatural rises up in us. It's like it's not from earth at all, but from heaven. A trust that says, God, though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear that which is evil. Lord, though my enemies surround me, I know that somehow you're putting a feast, a table before me. The goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, and I spit in the eye of my enemy, and I say, no, I will still praise, worship, rejoice, and give thanks. What? That's a church that operates in faith. That is the kind of thing that Jesus demonstrated at the Garden of Gethsemane where he knows what's ahead of him. It's awful. It's horrible. He says, Father, if there's any way that you can take this cup from me, take it away, but... I'll do nothing but your will, so have your way in me. Have your way in me, God. The way we respond in worship to God matters because it forms in us the image of our Savior. That's why we do it. We could do this whole thing by email. Man, it would be so easy. Just mail it in every week. Mail it in. If we did it by Snapchat, It would be like gone and whatever Snapchat in like twenty. How long does it stay? Twenty seconds, is it? Anyways, but we don't. We gather. We set ourselves in one place, and we rejoice, and we pray, and we give thanks, and we open up our hearts and minds to the voice of God. We don't treat prophecies with contempt. We don't say, "I don't care what God says. I'm doing it my way." We do it that way. Listen, as we live our lives under the promise of God's faithfulness, recognize the relationship with leadership, the relationship with the dysfunction around you, and the way you gather to worship forms something profound in you, and it's Jesus. Amen? Amen. I want to invite some people up to give a testimony this morning. Are you guys ready for that? All right. We're going to start. Yeah, Bob and Donna, welcome them as they come forward. Come on, welcome them. Bob and Donna. Oops, Stephanie beat you to the punch. It's really good. Way to go. No, you stay. You stay. You, no, stay. You wait by there. Yeah. Unless you want to join their testimony. Really? Are we doing it down here? Yeah, I understand that. Okay.
2: Ten months ago, the end of October, our oldest son and daughter-in-law confronted us and her parents shared with us a struggle that they had been going through and that they had started an adoption procedure filling out paperwork and it was tons of paperwork and they asked for our prayer and support so we did kind of excited because it'd be a first grandchild come December they shared it with their siblings and grandparents and the rest of the family And they had said told us the goal was it would take 18 months to two years for this procedure and we sit back looking at it now. It took 10 months from yeah. the time they started their paperwork till we're holding that child. And praise God for that. They set a goal of $30,000 to collect. By the end of June, they were $3,000 short of their goal for fundraising. And God answered that prayer. And then the birth mom kept saying, by February, they were picked, matched with a uh, birth mom. She kept in contact with them. And shared her ultrasound pictures, and the social worker says, That's unusual. Usually they don't. So the kids had that part to go with. And birth mom kept saying, Baby's coming early. Baby was supposed to be born at the end of July, did not arrive. The end of July arrived.
0: July 9th. Well, um, you know how God plans things? They're never the way we would look at them. Uh, June 30th, I got a call from my aunt in Georgia, or actually from my cousin telling me that her father had passed away. That was my last living uncle. Um, They didn't know. They were in South Carolina at the time, but they were going to have a memorial service in um, Georgia, which is where he had lived his whole life up until the last couple of years when they moved to be close to their daughter. Um, Okay, well, we didn't know when that was going to be, but I was determined we were going to be there. Donna had been saying, I am not going to wait six weeks to see that baby whenever the baby is born, because... They had to get permission from the state of Florida, which is where they were adopting from. All the paperwork had to be done. Florida had to say, okay, you can go. And then they had to wait until Illinois would get done with their paperwork before they could come back to the state of Illinois. They could have left Florida once Florida gave the okay, but they could go anywhere in the United States, but they couldn't come to Illinois. Well, um, anyway, uh, we'll go on with that. It took two weeks for Florida to say okay. It took Illinois two days to say okay, which is well beyond... But anyway, Donna had been praying. I know had Donna had been praying about this because she was determined she was going to see the baby. Anyway, July so the 9th, we uh, come in to the house and we get a phone call from our son. Hey, can somebody get Andrea to the airport? The baby, the mom's birth mom's in labor. Okay, so Donna goes. Okay, I'll get him to the airport. Well, he was going to drive all night. He had things to do. He's a policeman in town. He had to get off work, get things packed up, get ready. His wife was ready to go like a week earlier. She had told him to get ready. He wasn't ready. Anyway, um, so uh, he, our our other son had been over the 4th of July, and we talked, hey, how's work going? And he said, well, he's an engineer in Chicago. He said, well, my, my projects are basically done. I don't have much going on right now. So he was able to get a couple of days off of work and drive with his brother all night <laughs> down to Florida and get to see the baby. So I got a call on the Tuesday then, July 10th from my cousin in South Carolina, her dad's memorial service was going to be that Saturday in Georgia, which put us five hours away from seeing the baby. So we went down there. We got to see, um, uh, my aunt who, uh, I talked to her last week. She's just praising the Lord for his faithfulness, yeah. even in her grief. Um, as you see, he beat Bowtie day, which I understand according to the bulletin is on Tuesday. That's a, that blue thing is a bow tie that's as white as his head. <laughs> so, um, his name is uh, Keaton Scott Harvey. That's my dad's middle name. It's the name my dad went by. It's his dad's middle name, Scott, our son. Um, by the way, today would have been my dad's hundredth birthday. Um, I don't, you know, Dad. You don't plan these things. Um, I just want to finish up by saying God is faithful. If none of this had worked out, that doesn't change the fact that God is faithful. That is not our adopted grandson. That is our grandson. Just as we have been adopted into God's family, he doesn't look at us as something less than his children. So he's just uh, so good and faithful. We just thank him. Beautiful.
1: Let's take a minute and let's just give God thanks for his faithfulness and bless this home. Father, we thank you. God, you know that the, our babies are important to us and Lord, we can imagine the journey that this family's been on as they've sought this end and so God we give you thanks. God for this child and this home. God, we pray your blessing upon this home, upon these grandparents, these very proud grandparents. Even as today we recognize the legacy, God, in, this, in these generations. God, we honor you for your faithfulness through them all. You say you put the, the lonely and even the vulnerable in safe places like families. And so, God, we give you thanks for this child's life. We pray you raise him up to be a mighty man of God and a joy and a blessing to their parents and most of all their grandparents. In your name we pray. Amen. That is the most ginormous tie I've ever seen. Okay, come on up, Stephanie. Welcome, Stephanie, as she comes to talk about God's faithfulness.
3: Good morning, church. Um, I just want to let you know that the Lord's faithfulness is actually the reason I'm in this service today. Um, about two years ago, I started consistently coming to Sunday services here. Um, and I had left my um, church I was raised in and visited other congregations for about six months. And I just felt the spirit here the very most. Um, and... After a couple weeks of just being here consistently, I learned about the newcomers group, so I joined that and got to know a lot of really great couples and families and Shameless people. plug, if
1: you've not got through the newcomers yes. group. Been- shameless on- plug.
3: I have lots of those today. <laughs> um, and then after I got plugged in there, I was really excited, but I just yeah. continued to pray that um, the Lord would bring people in my age range and would bring women to minister to me. Um, and within a couple months, Josh and Daniel announced Lighthouse, and I had no idea, um, Just how that would change, like, who I was and my people and my community. And um, through that, I got to know Allie. And we got tacos, and we shared tears, and it was good. And um, then also I met Adam through Allie because they're one and the same. And um, I got to know Adam's really weird love for Lansing that I didn't understand. Like, no one had ever loved my hometown in that way before. Um, and so we talked a lot just about um, diversity and privilege and um, all these conversations I'd never really had um, and again, within, like, months of that, the Lord put Michelle in my life, uh, Michelle Smith, and I just um, was asked about Grace and Truth, which is a, a racial reconciliation group that we have here, and... Um, That was those women that I had been praying would just be here and would support me and love me. Um, And it just brought me this crazy awareness for things I knew nothing about um, and that I'd been able to be blind to for so long. Um, But it just put that in my heart, and it's given me this incredible intention to be here. Um, and. It's given me women that have just supported and comforted and encouraged me, um, who've been with me when um, I had family that had breast cancer, who have just supported me when um, I've compared myself to others, and I'm just really, really grateful for them. And I just want you all to know that the Lord is faithful where you are, and he's faithful um, in transition and here in Lansing, even when... It doesn't seem like this was the place I'd ever thought I'd find the Lord again. Um, But that's what I have for you today. So I hope you're encouraged.
1: That was a very precious testimony. Thank you. Um, I think if anyone knows, Stephanie, one of the things that strikes me about you is just the sincerity with which you do things. And I was struck, even as you were transitioning churches, and there was just a very sincere and honest process, right? Sometimes, like, here, I just wanted to hurry up, make the decision, and get plugged in, right? So, but I could see there was just such genuineness and sincerity in that, as you wanted to make sure you knew what the Lord was saying to you. And I respected that. I was like, wow, that's really neat. And as you share your journey of community and things about race issues and about what it means to be all in, I see that same genuine sincerity in you, and I admire it, I'm grateful for it. All right, let's just pray it, just a blessing on Stephanie's. All right, Father, we just, I thank you for this young lady, and God, just the testimony she brings today and the journey you've had her on. Thank you. We can see, Lord, that you have been faithful to her. And now I pray, I ask, oh God, that you would cause her own giftings and callings and passions to explode all over this church. God, that you would empower her, God, to minister to us. That, God, you would just just put wind in her sails, God, that the things that you're showing her and the things that you're doing in her life would not be kept to small things, but, God, would be great in in our midst. God, I pray that you just add to her everything she needs, go before her in every way, and, God, we thank you for such a precious young woman in our midst. Bless her, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, Stephanie. Now, if you would please welcome Becky Van Dersen. She approached me with a testimony this week, so welcome her as she comes. Testify to God's faithfulness. Please, I would. They want you up here to see you.
4: First of all, I'd like to thank the Lord for my salvation. Amen. Um, I believe that... that um, I couldn't imagine going through what I went through this past year or a year ago without the Lord in my life. But my story starts two years ago when Evan and Ruth were standing up here and sharing about how they were able to get through what they were going through by being in the word. And I took that, I've, I've read my Bible a lot. You know, every day, I tried to read it every day, but I was kind of lazy. If I was too tired, I wouldn't get up and read. But what they said struck me, and I felt like um, that I needed to make reading the Bible, I needed to make it with a purpose, to be prepared for what would come my way. Wow. And I committed to being faithful to reading my Bible. And um, I want to reread um, a verse: Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from what is from every form of evil. And that when you read that last week, and I just felt like my experience um, is almost to every section in that verse. Hmm. So um, what I want to talk about is how God remained faithful to our family um, a year ago. And July 9 is going to ring through. I'm never going to forget your grandson's birthday because that was the day my son was in a horrible motorcycle accident. And um, I really didn't think I was going to cry. <sighs> You're doing good. Um, it's perfect. The thing is, is I knew one day I would be going through this. I knew that um, I, my son, would someday be in an accident. I don't know how I knew this. I just knew the Lord prepared me, and it's almost like that pr- it was a prophecy, but not a, a vocal one. It was more an internal prophecy. Um, and so I, 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 I didn't like fret over it. I didn't, I just prepared myself for that one day when I would get that call and I got the call <laughs> and I freaked, <laughs> so, but I knew that the Lord was there. I just knew it. And, um, so the, when we heard, um, One of the things, he was with a friend, which is a blessing in and of itself that he wasn't by himself. A friend was with him and had EMT training, so made him stay still. And on our way, so we knew sooner than we would have if the cops would have come to our door. That was a huge blessing. And um, so the first thing I did when we were trying to figure out what hospital he was going to be at, I went onto the ladies' page for living word and I said, just please pray for our family, because I didn't know what was going on. But I knew I needed prayer because at that point, my my mind was focused on I got to get to my son, and I I just knew. And I reread those posts, and I have tears in my eyes because of the blessings of the women in this church, who just held us up in prayer, and it just got us through just such a horrible time. And then, so, the other thing was, is he first went to St. James to be stabilized, and then he had to go to Stroger. And initially, they were saying he was going to go to Christ Hospital, which we were like, okay. But when the doctor told us, Stroger, I was like, offended. I was like, excuse me? We have money? Like, I had no idea how bad my son was. And you know that saying, ignorant is bliss? (laughs) Yeah, I was in bliss because... (laughs) I was completely ignorant of how bad he was. And um, so the doctor was saying that, and she said, no, he really needs a level one trauma hospital. I went, and the Lord just like instantly changed my mind and said, okay, we're going to go with what you're saying. And um, so that night then the Lord was with us because um, I remember Pam had texted me and said, what's going on, or, and so I told her, and the good thing was is she was t- sleep training Jude, so she was up all night. So, <laughs> I was, she was texting us back and forth, and I remember saying to her, I really wish I would have downloaded the Bible on my phone. I have it now. <laughs> so, but she then it blasted Kelsey and my phone with verses and songs, just things to help us through it all. So, I am so thankful for this church and the leadership in this church and for the people in this church who support one another through very difficult times. And, um, so, but I also want to make a point that never once in this whole ordeal that we have been through did I ever not think that the Lord was there. I knew he was there. I knew that he was going to get us through it no matter what happened. I, At one point, I was planning his funeral in my mind because I really thought that's where it was going to end up. And, but I was at peace with it because I knew that the Lord had his hand and whatever was going to happen was because of the Lord. And um, so Brad, you know, he's, he was in the hospital 16 days. He's had a few surgeries And as of right now, he's still healing um, physically and I think emotionally and spiritually. He's still in a healing process. And so, um, but the Lord is working and we just, we know it as a family. I also... As far as the church is concerned, I also did want to say thank you to everybody who last year really stepped up with the Taste and Sees. It was a decision Glenn and I decided we're still going to do it even though our son can't walk and we were like we're still going to do it. And so the church, thank you so much for stepping up and helping us with that. And this year too, you've really everybody has stepped up and and really have blessed Glenn and I and it's a big deal and we're just very thankful.
1: Becky is, um, you're a good mom. And as you share this story, I think anyone that knows anything about motherhood can appreciate the journey you've been on. You and Glenn, of course. But um, you in particular, you're a good mom. And um, we know how you love your kids. And it demonstrates because you're not just a mom to your kids, you're a mom to the church, right? You're not like an old mom, you're a young mom to the church. (laughs) But you do because... You've got those mom instincts. You look after people. You, you see a need. You meet a need. You're, you're faithful. You'll always, you show up. You just It's in you that you do that. And to hear you talk about, that being how you are, how still the Lord sustains you in all those things, I think is a, is a very powerful testimony. And um, it's, it's still a tender subject with Brad. right? We're still looking for God's full healing and completion in his life. So um, thank you for sharing that. And before you go, let's pray. Yeah, we got. you've seen the pattern? I've seen the pattern. Okay. (laughs) Father, we thank you. I thank you for my dear friend, God, my partner in ministry in this church, and um, just for the way she shares and lives her faith. God, thank you. And for her and Glenn, Lord, we pray a blessing in that home. We pray just a sustained strength and zeal for the Lord. God, we pray victory in the lives of their children. God, these kids that have grown up in this place, been a blessing for so many years. God, we bring them before you and we bless them in Jesus' name. For Bradley and the ways in his journey, God, we ask you just make his shoulder right, Lord, heal his body. God, meet him in profound places in his spiritual life, an emotional life, all that he needs, God. Take hold of that young man. We're grateful for his life. Thank you for sustaining his life. And God, we give you all the glory and all the honor for the way you work in this family and all of our families. You are faithful. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. And thanks. Let's end with a song. How about that? Can we do that? Yeah, let's, Becky, thank you.